Thank you for joining us today for this life-changing message from River of Life. If you are ever in our area, we would love for you to join us. For more information, visit us at rolcrawfordville.com. That's rolcrawfordville.com. Or download our app in the App Store under ROL Crawfordville. Now, let's join our special guest as he teaches from the Word of God. Everybody join me. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. (laughs) I have already had fun this morning, and I need to remind everyone, we need to do this occasionally, it's okay to have fun when you come to church, especially uh, those of you who may be visiting us for the first time or new to River of Life. Uh, I am an usher from, as most of you know, I'm an usher here. And I love being an usher. I think it's probably one of the best ways to serve uh, in this church. But I'll tell you something, and many of you don't know it, what what, uh, us ushers have to deal with. You would not believe the stuff that we have to deal with on a week-to-week, week-to-week basis. Not too long ago, there was an elderly couple. They were, it was their first time here. They came in, and this lady was just radiating the joy of the Lord when she walked in the door. I mean, it looked like she had just won a victory, and she was excited to be here. And uh, she was even more excited that her husband was with her, even though he didn't, he didn't really look like he wanted to be here that much. <laughs> so, but uh, we came down, and we tried to give first-time visitors a good seat. So they were sitting right here about in this area here, and the church started, and the lady was fumbling through her purse. I, I don't have any idea how this happened. She's fumbling through her purse and a television remote control about that big <laughs> pops out of her purse. It hits the aisle, bounces out into the middle of the aisle. Well, as any good usher is trained to do, we rush to the scene. Uh, we rush there. As we're trying to deal with it, we look over. He's got this look of shock on his face. And also, he looked like he was really kind of infuriated, to be honest. The usher picks up the remote control, trying not to make a scene, hands it back to the lady and whispers, Ma'am, do you always bring your TV remote control to church with you? And without hesitation, she responded, A woman's got to do what a woman's got to do. He, he can't stay home and watch football if he can't find the remote. So it is okay to have fun when you come to church. And I promise you what we're going to do today, what we've already experienced today is better than football, Netflix, or anything else that you see on TV. So are you ready? By the way, for the record, that story may or may not be true. Okay. (laughs) So the title of my message this morning is Thy Will Be Done. Thy Will Be Done be done. Uh, Today I want to talk to you about God's will, God's purpose, God's potential 
for your life. We just all prayed in the Lord's Prayer how Jesus actually instructed us to pray. What did we pray for today? We prayed that His will would be done in this service. I've had about three people pray for me already, and in every prayer they prayed that the Lord's will would happen here today as I, as I spoke. It's something we pray for frequently. And uh, so my question is, what do we mean when we say God's will? What does that really mean? From the time I was a little boy, mom and dad would pray for me, and they would pray that God's will would be fulfilled in my life. And I do the same thing with my kids to this day. So what is meant by the will of God? The expression, the will of God, can be used in a variety of ways. His sovereign will is used to describe how he controls everything that happens in the universe. Sovereign will. You may also see reference to what's called God's moral or God's revealed will. And when you hear that, that's talking about God's instructions, God's commands that he has revealed to us in the Bible, in his word. You may also see reference to what's referred to as his permissive will. And this is used to describe what God allows to happen, sometimes bad things, to ultimately fulfill his purpose. And then uh, what there's a lot of debate on, for those of you who've studied this, you'll see reference to what's called his individual will. And uh, this, is, this describes God's ideal, unique plan for each and every one of us individually. And so and there's, there may even be more references to the will, to the will of God. But the study of the subject of the will of God is one of the most complicated, complex, misunderstood topics in all of Bible study. And my purpose today is not to get into a teaching uh, or a comparison on all of the different aspects of the will of God. But what I do want to talk about, and I think everybody here should be able to to relate to this. I think you'll connect with what I'm about to say. What I do want to talk about is that quest, that pursuit that we are all on to try to do what God wants us to do, to try to end up where God wants us to end up, to have God's very best in our lives. The truth is we all want that. We all want his very best in in our lives, don't we? We all want his direction in our lives. When we hit our knees and we need him, we want him to to hear our prayers and to intervene in our lives. So that is what I'm going to talk about today. And I can guarantee you, I'm going to give you a formula at the towards the end. I'm going to give you a formula and I guarantee that if you will apply the formula that I talked that I talk about towards the end, that you guaranteed will know what God wants you to do in your life. And God, if you apply what I'm going to talk about, and God will start moving in your life like never before. So you ready? So let's get into it. But first, before I get into that, there's one question, because I told you this is a very complex, uh, controversial topic in a lot of ways. But So there's one question that we need to address before I get to the formula. And here's the question. 
can your actions or lack of action influence God's plan and potential for your life? I'll repeat that. Can your actions or lack of action influence God's plan and potential for your life? It seems like a simple question, but there are thousands, I'm not exaggerating, thousands of articles that address that one question, many, many of which are outside what the Bible teaches. And it's really shocking when you dig, dig into it. There is one that I wanted to show you this morning. If, the, if we could pull that up. This is, this is one. And by the way, there are thousands like this. I, and I'll, I'll just read it. You can't mess it up. I really want you to get this. You cannot mess up God's purpose for your life. He has many plans to get you to your purpose. So today, let's take the high stakes out of the equation of our destinies. Take the weight of the world off of our shoulders and take a deep breath under the comfort of the Prince of Peace. Ladies and gentlemen, I hope all of you recognize just how dangerous that type of theology is. And that's the kind of stuff that is out there. You can take that down. The truth is, the truth is, under the banner of the sovereignty of God, many teachers are teaching that we can look like, we can talk like, we can act like the world. But God loves us so much that we're so cherished by Him that we can do whatever we want to do and He'll bless us, and He'll fulfill us, and He'll walk with us every step of the way without us having any personal responsibility to make wise, righteous, and smart decisions. That is a lot of the theology that we're hearing out there today. So a few, uh, few weeks ago, this, has been on, this, this subject has been on my mind for about three months. My son, Kyler, and I were at lunch uh, couple weeks ago and we were talking about cause and effect and we were trying to come up with uh, some examples of cause and effect I know all of you studied that when probably when you started in about third grade is when you start learning this but I, I pulled up a definition of cause and effect if someone could could pull that up here's the definition cause and effect is the relationship between two events When the occurrence of one event causes the other. So we were talking about this and we were trying to come up with examples. And neither of us were doing doing such a great, great job. And then finally we, we landed on the perfect example that perfectly applied to me and my family and Kyler. I said, Kyler, when you disrespect your mom, that is the cause. We're going to say that's the cause. When you disrespect your mom, that's the cause. And when my right hand busts you upside your mouth (laughs) as a result of that disrespect, (laughs) that is the effect. And his eyes, he said, I got it. Perfect example. (laughs) And then uh, I think it was last week, Brother Dallas, um, we were... I think you and I were standing on the back wall and you um, were telling me, 
you were telling me how important it was for the younger people, especially, to have a resume, to develop a resume. Remember that conversation? To develop a resume that showcased uh, the good decisions that they make and the outcomes of those good decisions. A resume that showcases the good stuff. Well, I didn't tell Brother Dallas this, but this whole cause and effect thing had been brewing in my mind for some time because I was curious how the decisions in my life, good and bad, have potentially put me where I am where I am today. So I decided to do just the opposite of what Brother Dallas said. I decided to create a resume that would highlight and showcase all of the bad decisions that I made in my life. I would call it my, my stupid resume because it would, it would showcase all of the stupid things that I've done in my life. And I started that process. You want to hear a couple, you want to hear a couple of my entries? Okay. Okay. So I'll give you, uh, just like with any, you go as far back as you can remember. So I went back to the beginning. I was five years old and dad was pastoring over at Lake Seminole Baptist Church over near uh, Lake Seminole. I was five years old. This was a long time ago. I'm 49, getting ready to be 50. So that shows how long ago it was. And it just so happens, y'all may not be aware of this, but, but Miss Libby Odom, who is a faithful attender here, she's here today. And Miss Diane Odom um, are here. Their families were in that church with us. They were in that church. They've known me for 40 years. They've loved me for over 40 years. I hope they still love me. After I tell this story. So um, dad and mom and I think Miss Diane may have been there. Um, There was a meeting at the church there at Lake Seminole. And uh, Miss Diane has a has a son. His name is Brian Odom. He's a lot older. He was a lot older than me at the time. I think he was six and a half and I was five. So uh, we were there. They were having a church meeting, meeting about something. And uh, the, the, one of the head deacons was at this meeting. And I, I don't really remember him that well, but from, his name was Mr. Buddy Johnson. And I'm told that he was just one of the finest Christian men that ever, ever walked this, this earth. But they were meeting with uh, Mr. Buddy inside. And Brian and I were outside playing, unsupervised. And then something very, very, very bad happened. Brian somehow found two hammers and a can of nails. And he came to me and he said, you know, Kyle, he said, I bet you're too chicken to drive a nail in one of Mr. Buddy's tires. (laughs) Well, I respond, how can you respond to that? I said, I responded the only way you know how to respond. I said, I know I'm not a chicken. You're a chicken. And he said, well, I can guarantee you I'm not a chicken. So we decided to handle that in the only natural way. I can't even think of another way to handle it. He said Indian style at one front tire. I said Indian style at the other front tire. And we proceeded to see just how many nails we could nail on the outside of Mr. Buddy Johnson's brand new truck. Stupid. Stupid, stupid. And, um, you know, I think, I think in the book of 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, 
the Apostle Paul talks about how five times he received 39 lashes. <laughs> and if you do the math on that, that's, I think, 195 lashes. Well, I'm here to tell you when I get to heaven, the Apostle Paul and I are going to have something in common after that day. <laughs> stupid, stupid, stupid. Okay, next one, I'll fast forward six or seven years. Dad was pastoring a church in Cottonwood, Alabama. I think I was around 13 years old. Um, and um, they're attending the, the, the local public school. And we had a guy by the name of Pete transfer uh, to our school. Pete transferred to the, from the inner city of Chicago. And Pete was a bully. They think they got bullying going on now in the high school. That was back when real bullying took place uh, in the school. Pete was a bully. He was wreaking havoc in the elementary school. And so me and some of my buddies got together and we decided to take matters into our own hands. We came up with a brilliant plan. At least it seemed like a brilliant plan at the time. The time was next time Pete got out of line that I would... I would jump on Pete first, and, um, and then my buddies would jump in and provide assistance. Seemed like a great plan. Uh, we were in the classroom. Teacher had to get up and leave the room for some reason, and as soon as she walked out, Pete gets out of his seat and just starts his thing again in the, in the classroom. My buddies look over at me. They give me the signal. It was go time. It was time to take care of some business. Well, I can honestly tell you what transpired after, from, from that moment on, I have no, no recollection of. <laughs> Pete beat me so bad, he, he wiped my memory banks clean of, what, of the whole, he actually, I need to thank him, he actually did me a favor. He beat me so bad, I didn't even feel any pain. It was, <laughs> how, how stupid could I be? And, and by the way, my, my, my buddies forgot one key part of the whole of the whole plan that was the part where they were to to jump in and help they forgot that they forgot that that part of it and uh, I'll give you one more and then we'll we'll wrap this up fast forward six or seven years things get a little more serious now I was in my early 20s the stupid stuff had continued but by this time sin had started to to infiltrate my life I was out of the church I was doing my own thing. I had walked away from the Lord, and I was involved in high, some high-risk uh, activities. Um, me and some buddies, we were over in Live Oak, Florida, doing some skydiving, and um, I attempted a, a, a high-speed, high-risk maneuver under my parachute, and I ended up getting in a really bad skydiving accident. I ended up, actually, I'm lucky I didn't kill myself, but I ended up shattering my right femur. And I look back now and I just think to myself, how, how stupid, how stupid could I be? And I actually abandoned doing my stupid resume at this point because I was so depressed. I actually came to the conclusion. I said, you know, I think I may just hold the number one spot, the number one position in this church for the person who has done the stupidest things in the world. And I moped around for a couple of days and kind of depressed. And then, and then uh, Susan and I, we ended up going to a function um, with some other couples here in the church. And we sat at the table with Scooter Perez and his wife and a couple of other couples. And uh, I sat there that night and I listened to Scooter 
tell story after story about his younger days. And we laughed so hard. I've never laughed, laughed so hard. We had such a good time that night. And, uh, uh, and when, the, when the meal was over, I left that night feeling so, so much better about myself. <laughs> and I'll just, I want to be respectful. But I left uh, that night thinking that uh, I may not be in the number one spot after all. <laughs> okay, so what is the point? I just told you a whole, whole bunch of stories. What's, what's the point of all these crazy stories? What does that mean? Uh, how is that relevant to what we're talking about to hear? Here's the point. Every one of those stories had consequences associated with them. There was a cause and effect relationship with all of those stories. There's not a day that I wake up that my body doesn't ache because of the stupidity associated with the skydiving. And even worse than that, for that 10-year period that I was out of the church, it, took me, it, it has taken me so many years to, get the, to break the sin and the strongholds that crept into my life during, during that time. Just horrible consequences, you know, from that. And, and I'm not sure that my brain has ever really functioned properly ever since Pete, too. So anyway, so the con- there were consequences, consequences with, uh, with those actions. And I am convinced, I am convinced from personal experience that sin and Stupidity, sin and stupidity will act, will counter the perfect will of God being fulfilled in our lives. In Ephesians chapter 5, it says carefully determine, carefully determine what pleases the Lord. And that verse has just been on me for some time now. Carefully determine what pleases the Lord. And I've lived so much of my life uh, where I have not applied that verse to the decisions to the decisions that I've made. So I said earlier, I was going to, in my message, I was going to give you a formula on how to have God's very best in your life. Are you ready for it? Okay. So here's the key with this formula. This, there's a couple tricks to it. In order for the formula to work, uh, I'm going to give you three things, but you don't do them in sequence. In order for it to work, one, you've got to do all three things, and you've got to do all three things at the same time. Got it? So you got to do, you can't do partial, you got to do all three, you got to do all three at the same time. Number one, wage war against the sin in your life. That is the first step. You have got to identify the sin in your life, what is displeasing to the Lord, and wage war against that sin. Sin is like kryptonite, like kryptonite when it comes to the perfect will of God being fulfilled in your life. If you want what's, God, if you want what's best for you, you've got to attack the sin. And I'll tell you something, and I think a lot of you are smarter than I am. Uh, I'd like for you to talk to me after the service, but this is what I've come to the conclusion of. Sin, sin and holiness will not reside in the same room for very long. Sin and holiness will not reside in the same room for very long. One or the other, one or the other is going to leave. So choose holiness and get the sin out of, out of your life. Okay, the second thing to remember regarding the will of God is that it is really not a mystery. I said earlier, we're on a quest. We're all on a journey to discover the will of God. 
But it's really not a mystery to discover. So much of the will of God and what he has planned for us is already revealed. It is already revealed in his word. It's, it's not hard to discover. All we have to do. All we have to do is get in his word. So, and you got to get the word in your heart. Sin out. Get the sin out. Get the word in. Get the word in. Sin out. Get the word in. So, I'll try to get, I'll try to get through this. You know, the Word of God is a tenderizer, too. It'll tenderize your heart. But the instructions of the Lord are perfect, reviving the soul. The decrees of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The commandments of the Lord are right, bringing joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are clear, giving insight to the living. Reverence for the Lord, reverence for the Lord is pure, lasting forever. The laws of the Lord are true. Each one is fair. They are, they are more desirable than gold, even the finest of gold. They are sweeter than honey, even honey dripping from the comb. They are a warning to your servant, a warning to your servant, and a great reward for those who obey. That's the will of God right here. And, and finally, and finally, many, many people, many people miss out on what I'm about to tell you on this third step. Even mature Christians, mature Christians miss out on this third step. If you really want God's best in your life, you got to do something else. You got to do something. You got to get sin out. You got to get the word in. And then you have to do something. You've got to take action. Cause and effect. Cause and effect, which we've been talking about this, this morning, is validated all throughout Scripture. There are so many verses in the Bible that have a cause and effect relationship. Tell me if any of these sound familiar to you. If you seek me, if you seek me, you will find me. How about this one? You have not because you ask not. You have not because you ask not. Brother Bill, what about this one? If you confess with your mouth that... Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And I love this verse. What about this one? If my people, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, listen, then if my people will do this, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and heal their land. So don't ever let anybody tell you there's not a cause and effect relationship when it comes to your spiritual walk uh, with the Lord. Uh, one of the most beautiful stories uh, in the Bible 
Everybody in here has heard it. There was a woman, uh, she had suffered from a disease for uh, 12 years. Scripture says she had tried everything. That she, she had tried every way to get healed and to get cured. And actually it says in the Bible that her condition was getting worse. But in spite of bad news after bad news and letdown after letdown, she purposed, it says this, if you, if, I, I'd encourage you to go read it. She purposed in her heart that if she could just touch the hem of Jesus' robe, that she would be healed. She purposed that in her heart. Jesus was ministering the area. He had hundreds of people around him. And she, even though it was humiliating for her, the type of issue that she had was not one that was conducive for her to be out in public. She was humiliated. She was embarrassed. But she goes out into that public. And she makes her way through all of the people that were surrounding Jesus. She made her way through him. And she reached out and she grabbed, his, she grabbed the hem of his robe. And Jesus stops. And he says, who touched me? Who touched me? And it's kind of interesting. Uh, uh, it says in the word, the apostle says, what do you mean, master? What do you mean? You've got hundreds of people around you. Everybody's touched you. And he goes, no, no. Somebody really touched me. I felt the power. I felt the power leave my body. And the lady who touched him, she spoke up and she said, master, it was me. It was me. And he looked at her. He looked at her. And he said, your faith has made you whole. And she was healed that day. And it is my personal opinion. It's my personal opinion. That in addition to being healed physically. The moment she touched the hem of his robe. Every stupid and sinful thing she had ever done in her life was forgiven and placed under his power that day. So my question is, is would that woman, would that woman have been healed if she had not touched Jesus that day? I don't think so. Here's the truth, in my opinion. She did something. And because she did something, Christ did something. And her life was changed forever. She did something. Cause and effect. So, in closing, I want to ask you the question. Could it be, could it be, that the only thing standing between you and the breakthrough... That you need this morning. Is just for you to do something this morning. Just to do something. Could that be the only thing? Here's the reality. All across America right now as we speak. Churches are packed. But churches are packed with observers. All across the country. But Jesus doesn't want us to be an observer. He wants us to be a participant with him. Just like that lady was out on the street that day. So, to discover the absolute best of what God has for you, what do you have to do? You got to get sin out. You've got to put the Word of God in. And then you have to do something. And if you do that, I guarantee 
you will know what to do with your life and you'll see God begin to move in your life like never before. In Deuteronomy chapter 30, 19, this verse needs no, no explanation. This verse says, says it all. And we'll conclude with this statement, this verse. Today I've given you the choice between life and death, between blessings and curses. Now I call on heaven and earth to witness the choice you make. Oh, that you would choose life so that you and your descendants might live. Thank you. Thank you again for listening to this message from River of Life. If this message has touched you today, or if you need someone to pray with, please contact us at 850-926-1200 or email us at info at rolcrawfordville.com. We also want to encourage you to visit us this Sunday morning at 1030 a.m. in Crawfordville. Please visit us online at rolcrawfordville.com for more information and directions.